Support the Amigos podcast on Patreon or PayPal and receive cool perks and rad swag. Visit our page at everythingamiga.com support. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And, and I'm today, Aaron. Aaron, we're going to be talking about traps and treasure. You oh. know, Aaron, in life, you take the good with the bad. You take the traps with the treasure. I thought you were going to say the fact of life theme, just for a split <laughs> second. Um, now, Aaron, this week, uh, you, you told me on the phone earlier that you'd had quite a week full of traps. So perhaps you'd like yes. to extrapolate a little bit. And they took my exactly. treasure on top of that. <laughs> now I, uh, not to get too graphic, but I was, I was uh, sitting around and I grabbed my phone and just and checked my PayPal account. I was like, you know, uh, I don't even know why I did it. I, I, had, I was not, I just, no reason. Just I hadn't done it for a while. And I noticed that I had spent a bunch of rubles, Boat. Did you buy um, another Socrates? I normally don't not normally I don't spend rubles. Uh so I got to looking and I had like uh a started I said a screen full of charges to my PayPal that were uh 2500 rubles generally up and down a little bit, which is about thirty six but American oh, dollars. You, okay. Up until this point, I thought you were just using your wacky carny lingo to tell me about dollars. No. But you're talking about actual, I mean, actual rubles. rubles. Okay, okay. That's right. And so what was I spending these rubles on, you might ask? Well, one you know that you ever seen this game, what's well, called like World of oh, Tanks yeah. and they've got World of Battleships. Well, I'm spending mm. it on that. I'm getting stocked up, apparently, mm-hmm. in Russia. So I looked down the list of my, and my PayPal, of course, was empty. And so I was like, huh, I know I left some money in here, and I know I don't live in Russia, and I don't play this game. (laughs) So something fishy may be going on. And so I looked, and there were like 70 charges of around 36 bucks each, give or take. And so I thought, that's not good. And so I, uh, uh, checked my actual bank account for with which my PayPal is linked. So if I need money from bank account, it just comes, well, guess what? Rubles are being pulled oh. out of that, too, my actual oh, bank that's account. that's scary. So long story short, uh, uh, someone has the world's greatest tank or battleship because they spent uh, probably a couple grand on uh, they pretty much all my money. Let's just put it that way, spent on this game. So... I immediately caught up PayPal. Well, I tried first. I tried to do PayPal stuff. I shut, you know, shut stuff down and did mm-hmm. the usual stuff, and then tried to get hold. You know, you're much like eBay. PayPal is one of these setups where you you never actually get to speak with anybody, and so I finally and you can't do this sort of thing without speaking to somebody because right. I needed that. I I had to file like seventy. 73, uh, like, uh, fraudulent charge reports, transaction for mm-hmm, holdups or mm-hmm. whatever. So 
and I and it kept saying, "Well, change your password, do this, that." And I, you know, so I went through this rigmarole. So finally, I found the phone number for PayPal. You know, I've been on PayPal for like 15 years or something like that—a long mm-hmm. time, almost since it was born. And there ain't any problem, but I mean, they, PayPal's got a rep, you know. And uh, uh, I called him up and went to the phone tree. And then at the end of the phone tree, this chick comes on and says, "Due to the COVID-19 virus, we PayPal currently has no operators. Oh. Goodbye." Oh. And they hunch things up. <laughs> That's it. I was like, this isn't good. So then I called my bank up, my local bank. They won't let you down. And I told them what was going on. I told them, I said, for God's sakes, block Mm -hmm. PayPal. What is this, Putnam County? Putnam County Bank? PayPal also wouldn't let me, they wouldn't let me remove my bank as Hmm. well. Weird. So I could remove the card, but not the bank. And so I was afraid they could still keep siphoning money out of my account. Because they had done it that day, like right before I found out. And so my bank stopped it. Then my bank managed to get back all the money that had take, been taken out of my bank account. I, I think I got back, and I had to get out of the bank today and and, and fill out forms like that deep. Like It took mm-hmm. forever. But PayPal is in flux right now. But probably, when this is all said and done, I doubt I will be getting that money back, to be completely honest with you. So lesson learned. Don't leak your PayPal to your bank account, and uh, and for God's sakes, don't go that long without checking your bank account. I mean, it seems obvious now. Like I said, I've, I've had this set up for years. And you would think that if, if someone... I've never played these games, and I don't live in Russia, and PayPal is a bank, effectively. So you would think when they saw 70 uh, ruble charges in the span of three days, that that might ring a bell somewhere. Like, hey, this could be mm-hmm. fraudulent. Uh, but I'm assuming I'm going to give PayPal the benefit of the doubt and assume that since the virus is going on, that they just are super understaffed and they're not paying attention. Because I would assume that normally they would have gotten hold of me on this by now. But yeah, they didn't. I, I, I so think that up. that's a that's I think that that's fair. I think under normal circumstances, something would have been set off. Um, you know, they do have two-factor authentication on PayPal uh, to keep people from. It's on. It was on. So whoever did me, did me good and proper. Hmm. You don't have a choice on PayPal. You have to, has hmm. to be on. So That sucks, yeah. man. I'm they, sorry to hear that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that that was not, a, 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 that wasn't the worst thing that happened to me this week, but it was right <laughs> up there. It's just been, it's been a rough week, Boat. Are you, uh, you going to leave us hanging? You're going to leave us without the worst thing that happened this week? I woke up, you know, I had to, I had to go on a long drive Monday, and I was laying in bed with my eyes open, just kind of laying there. And I've got this big, huge fan that blows mm-hmm. on me. And I don't know what got in the fan, but it it gave me the old Muda, or the, the great Kabuki treatment. It just blew stuff into my oh. eyes. Both oh. my eyes. I was blind. As I was just, you know, ah! And then when I got up, I could find, I cleared my one eye out, but my other eye, I couldn't see out of it for like two oh my hours. Gosh. It was all jacked up. And I and then I had to go drive uh, 350 miles that day, so that was not good either. That was probably worse than the uh, than the actual uh, than that than the whole situation with the bank. The bank's not good either, but that sucked. That hurt. Real but bad. are you are you fully recovered now in terms of your eyes? You you doing okay? Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. The Dowdies are a resilient bunch. we we can't be kept down. I know, you know that. that. I know that. And I still have managed to play all the games and spend quite a bit of time with them as well. So, and had a lot of fun research. It's been I've been very busy this week, uh, between the bank and the and driving around and doing work stuff. So it's been one of those weeks. But you know, you've got your new job. 
And I saw a picture of your office. It looks very swank. It looks like you had about 30 computers. Set well, up on what your happened desk. was, you know, they gave me an office and I said, I, I just couldn't work in there. It was too small, it was too confined, and the air conditioning didn't work. It was mostly the air conditioning didn't work. It also had one of those computer desks. I hate computer desks. Give me a table. Just give me a table. I hate when they raise the monitor up. You know my hatred of monitors that are not like below eye level. You've experienced that yourself when we used to play in the backyard or in, in your in the arcade all the time. Remember why I'd come over on uh, Sunday mornings and we do the streams? Oh yeah, you do. You did. You did whine about that. TV yeah, yeah. So anyway, I moved. Uh, my office also has its own conference room. So I just moved my. Um, there's the, my my predecessor has a computer that has a bunch of important files on it that I need, and uh, so I just moved his computer out there, and then I moved my laptop out there too because my laptop's better than the old computer, and so I've got a, a real wacky arrangement now with multiple computers and multiple screens everywhere. It's just how I like it. It's just like Amigo Studios, computers and screens everywhere. How are they giving you an office with no freaking air conditioning? Well, the, the, I, you got to understand, the building that I work in, Farrell Hall, was built in 1925. And yeah. um, it's it's some sections are like the first floor looks like a dream, okay? The second floor, you start to see the paint peel off the walls. My office is on the third floor. It's no man's <laughs> land up there, man. Nobody goes up there. So uh, <laughs> that's... <laughs> Well, hopefully they'll get it fixed up for you to a certain yeah. degree. Make sure there's no asbestos. Well, the conference anything. room is comfortable. The air conditioner works in the conference room. Plus, the chairs are a lot more comfortable in there too. So I just, I just spread, spread out. I'm good to go, man. So that was my week starting the new job, and uh, but so far so good. So let's talk go. about my real job, Aaron, and your real job. That's making videos for Amigos Retro Gaming YouTube channel. What do we got on the docket? We made a man? few this week. We made a few this week, amazingly, Boat. So, um, I guess the easiest place to start would be, uh, let me see here. Let's talk about um, last, let's talk about, let me see. We'll talk about last week's R. Sinclair, okay. Boat. Uh, for those of you that didn't join us live, uh, we looked at a very wacky game. You know... I gotta tell you, Teresa told me she sat and watched that episode. She's never watched any of mm -hmm. our shows. And she said she cackled as she watched the werewolf walk through the street. <laughs> and then as a human, because he does, like I said, that is the, his gait is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Like captured on yes. film. Uh, and the werewolf, this this gimmick here as he runs through is also pretty hilarious. Uh, but uh, uh, we covered uh, Werewolves of London. Uh, I think I liked it, and I think you liked it. I wasn't 100% sure. I don't think you were yeah. either. But it's certainly not boring. It's wacky. Uh, well, any thoughts on that particular I, game? I agree with you. It's it's a wacky game that I neither like nor dislike, but it's definitely a, a, a unique entry into the spectrum. Uh, it's another one of these kind of crazy open-world adventures. You wouldn't think that there were so many open-world games, but between this and The Hobbit, and all kinds of other stuff. There's all kinds of like open world games where NPCs are walking around doing their own thing. So yeah, it it was unique. Yeah. It's a pretty large mm -hmm. world too. I, I was kind of impressed by yeah. that one. Uh, next on the docket, you know, uh, I, I you know when we did when we reviewed I, or covered, if you will, uh, Deluxe Galaga all those years ago. That was like probably the forty ep episodes in the forties or fifties. Early way on, back. early on. Uh, uh, Edgar Vigdal, or uh, Edward, 
I think it's Gorvidal. Anyway, no, it's not Gorvidal. Anyway, he did a great job on this game on the Amiga. I mean, I love this game. And so I've been setting up coin ops next on the PC, as you know, and I thought I'd add a bunch of DOS games. And, of course, in my brain, uh, uh, Gore, or uh, v, Vig Doll had a game that was like a sequel to Galaga, that Deluxe Galaga, that was released for DOS, which actually was released for Windows. But it was called Warblade. Mm -hmm. And I had to look long and hard to liberate a copy of this. And I still haven't... I've had people send me links where they think they could buy this. But if you look at the links... One of the things is, the, is an address to his house, and he's been dead for several years. So I don't—I'm not sure I would trust right. these links uh, to get any money to. So I have—you know—I'm not saying you should pirate this. I'm saying you should buy it, but I don't think anyone that's mm -hmm. selling it. But we covered Warblade on the PC. Now, um, this is an awesome game. I'm not going to lie to you, and my kid has fallen in love with it too. We've been playing the crap out of it. It's got simultaneous two players. You hear a lot of games that are in the spirit of. This is more than in the spirit of Deluxe Galaga. This is the next chronicle in the Deluxe Galaga saga. I mean, it is off the charts. I don't think I've ever seen a game like this with this much love and craftsmanship put into something. I mean, it's all the way down to the backstory, the menus, even the high score table. If you click on the names, it'll tell you when the score was made, how long That's they played. That's super awesome. I love that stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you looked, I don't know if you've had, a, I know you mm -hmm. haven't had a look at this book because you don't have it. Uh, but uh, uh, I've got to give you a copy. But anyway, so this is me playing uh, uh, Warblade. And then afterwards, we just go through. I was doing a live stream, and we went. I went ahead and played some other uh, uh, wacky games. I played some Jumpman. Uh, I played on the PC. I, I played some uh, crazy Xbox 360 shooting games. I, I did a new... that. What you're looking at now, if you're watching the video, there's a updated Xbox 360 version of Gyrus. I uh, played that. So if you're into that sort of thing, uh, just some shooting games, you might d dig this. But I do strongly urge you to go out of your way to uh, look into getting Warblade because this is this is really a triumph uh, of of uh, that genre, that sh that schmup genre, in my opinion. But I guess maybe it's not for everybody, but I, I really like it. So there you go. Um, me and the Brent did a little show last week, uh, and we'll call this show. The ARG presents Dick Smith. Wizard another another vote. fantastic thumbnail. Did you do that thumbnail, or did Brent do that? That's those are all Brent. He does all the thumbnails, uh, and he's very creative, yeah, isn't he? Very creative. And, and so this time around, we did that. You know, I love the Dick Smith Wizard vote, mm -hmm. as you know, and we we had a little taste of it on ARG's Thanksgiving marathon, uh, and this. Uh, so we got to get a full show about it this time. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, the uh, the problem is the Dick Smith Wizard. I like it. It looks cool. I like everything about it. But the game selection is real mm. limited. Boat. They've only got eighteen official titles for this thing, and uh, they were, uh, you know, they're almost all like. It's, it seems clones. to be very, very in, uh, in like to the Intellivision. You know, sort of, but definitely better than the uh, twenty six hundred, but not quite as good as maybe the ColecoVision or the NES or something like that. You're 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 right. I mean, it's it's funny because the hardware for this is is the hardware for this, the Coleco and the television, they're all like in the same mm -hmm. ballpark. In fact, there was an adapter for this thing uh, at some point. I believe that you would let you play Coleco games on it, if you can believe that. Uh, but yeah, this is a, this was a real fun week. I'm not saying these are the best games you ever saw, but it was fun to learn about the Dick Smith Wizard. And it, I will say Brent's Brent's game, which is called Locomotive, which is a Burger Time clone. 
<laughs> makes the most annoying noise I think I've ever heard. <laughs> so if you want to hear annoying sound, hey, that's what ARGs are all about. Uh, so that, that was a good time. And this week, if you're interested, we're, we'll be filming. We film every Sunday morning, uh, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And this week, we're going to be doing live. We're going to be looking at Nit Super, or regular Nintendo NES games from 1985. Mm-hmm. So year one. Are you are you at liberty to, that, to tell the audience what the games are? Or do you want them to tune in? Uh, we'll okay. just let them tune okay. in on that one. If you're in a Discord, you know. Um Let's see, Bo, did we, I think we talked about your arcade tour last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think the only thing we've got left... Oh, we got the, we'll talk about the Coco Well, why don't we talk, why don't we talk about my... I did, I did a live stream, too, last week. Yeah, I, I haven't forgotten it, but I'm going... I'm just I'm trying to go in line oh, of Oh, okay, here. that's fine. Let's talk about Coco. Uh, Coco last week was... We did a game called Mind Roll. Um, Mind Roll is a... Is a it's actually a it's a port of another from other consoles and, and computers that of a game of a different mm-hmm. name. Do you remember the other name? Quasimodo. What? That's not. I what it it was. started with a Q. That's the only Q word I know. <laughs> was it Quasimodo? Anyway, a weird game that that looked at Marble Madness and said we could convolute that, and they did. And it, but it, it's an interesting game. It's very different, and and it has and even the game itself has different levels that are totally different types mm-hmm. of games, uh, both. So if you if you have a Coco, I, I would say give this one a shot. I think it's a pretty interesting game. Um, lastly, the boat NES stream. I think it's, I think the quote here is I can beat this. The Chippendales Rescue Rangers. Now this is a, a show I never watched. Yeah, this one this, this one definitely you. came after. Uh, you were you were well into your adulthood when this show was on, but this was right in my wheelhouse. You know, I was probably nine or ten years old when this was on, and I really enjoyed it. There was a whole uh, suite of programs called the Disney Afternoon that included this and Ducktales and some other shows. But uh, but this is one of those games, one of the very very few games that I can I can finish. And it's also one of my favorite platformers, not only because I can finish it, but just because there's a, a good variety of levels and I like the mechanics and stuff. So uh, I played through the entirety of Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. Uh, and then I had some time left over. You know, I like to stream for about an hour at a time. So I was like, why not fire up Super Mario Brothers? And so I fired up Super Mario Brothers. And lo and behold, for the first time ever in my life, I beat Super Mario Brothers without using the uh, the like extra life cheat in World Three Four, where you bounce on the shell and you get a whole bunch of men. This I just ran through the whole thing. You know, of course I did, I, I, I used the warp zones, but I ran through the whole thing. I completed eight four, the last level of the game on one life. Unbelievable! That's never happened before. So the uh, that is a heck of a run. I didn't know you'd done that at the end. I'm gonna check yeah, that yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, I uh, it was it was a fantastic um, stream. I had a good crowd on there. Here here's the final moments. If you're watching the video, uh, as soon as I went through that last that last uh, Hammer Brother and, and ran underneath Bowser, it was a glorious time, Aaron. A glorious time. A future speedrun. That's right. Mode. That's right. So that was my stream. Uh, sometimes I just like to play Nintendo. It's just who I am. And watch, and watch trains. trains. I like to watch. Watch trains mm-hmm. go by. Yeah, it looks good, man. I, uh, uh, I've never beaten Mario that easily. I mean, it seems like I've, I've beaten the first one, but it was a long time ago, and I don't. Even, I never have done it without the warp tunnels. I'm, I use those every time. I can't help it; they're there, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, Aaron, let's talk a little bit about what's been going on in the wide world of Amiga news this week. 
So we're going to kick things off here. You know, Aaron, we normally, it's sort of a show rule that we don't talk about games that are under development. Uh, but every once in a while, we break the rules because we're rebels. And when it comes to Tapper, I'll take all the updates you can give me. There is a new update to Tapper for the Commodore Amiga, and it's looking great. It's looking so great, I can't believe it. Are you excited for this one, Aaron? Yeah, it is. Oh, you know I am, Boat. I'm the, I think I'm the one that I, I linked you onto this. I was like, look at this. Let me tell you something. We both love Tapper. We both love to own mm -hmm. a Tapper machine because uh, they're so awesome looking. Uh, it's funny. I don't like beer, but I like this game yeah. big time. And uh, I've always been a fan. And so uh, when I saw this pop up, uh, so I don't know. I think I don't know if I, I don't know if I was the one that linked it, but so I saw it. I was like, "Holy smokes, we got to get us some of that." So yeah, and it looks the screens he's got up look mm -hmm. great. You know, so I'm all for it. I love me some Yeah, tab. yeah. I really think that the Amiga was the first, definitely the first computer that could even come close to emulating the kind of fidelity necessary to 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 display Tapper in all its glory. It looks nice. Let's move on, Aaron, to a new tutorial. This one is by our buddy, not really, but somebody that I've actually met in person before, Muadib. You know, Muadib. He, this guy, I believe that this guy, his real name is Klerkos, and he hails from Greece. And he is the Amiga ray tracing dude. And he is, uh, he's going to be doing a series of ray tracing tutorials. And this is just the intro video that's like setting you up for like, once you take my lessons and you learn of me, then I will teach you how to do all this rad stuff. So if you are... He's got cars, he's got a Viper from Battlestar Galactica, Lego. Mm -hmm. So if you are into ray tracing on the Amiga and you want to learn to get better from a true master, check this guy out. His uh, YouTube channel's name is Muadib3D. Oh yeah. You ever done any ray tracing on the Amiga? I'm still, we've been doing this show five years, I still don't even know what ray tracing is. Well, it just, I, I remember having this program and like, I remember rendering like a mm -hmm. ball, you know? And I remember it'd take like 50, I mean, this has been a long time ago. Don't ask me how I did it, what I used, I don't know. But I remember it was taking 14.6 kabillion <laughs> years on my Amiga 1000 to render this thing. Next up, there is a, check this out, Aaron. There is an Atomic Bomberman fa uh, fan remake. So uh, Atomic Bomberman was uh, a game that came out for uh, OS4, uh, for AROS, for Windows. And uh, I guess the game has fallen into disuse, and so this guy has uh, <laughs> has his his basically you you still have to have the original game to get this to work, but he has rewritten it much like uh, what was that game that we played? Oh, Lord of the Rings! Remember how there was like a Lord of the Rings? There was a fan thing, but you had to have the original software. It's the same sort of yeah. deal. And so um, anyway. Uh, if you are a fan of Bomberman, and who isn't really, and you have, uh, Me. you don't, oh, I forgot you don't like Bomberman. I, I take it back. <laughs> I hate Bomberman. I mean, I don't mm. hate it. I just yeah. don't get it. But, um, if you are, especially, you know, you OS4 folks, uh, you need all the love you can get in OS4 world. So, uh, <laughs> download this, play it, live it, love it. Next up. Pi Mega has been released, Aaron. This is the Raspberry Pi build. There are kind of multiple uh, competing builds for the Raspberry Pi. There is an Amiberry. There's Pi Mega. They're all sort of at war with each other at loggerheads. Really? I don't know, but sometimes it's nice to pretend there's drama where there is not. And so uh, 
This is the updated link for Pi Mega for Raspberry Pi 3 and 4. Um, I know that there's a lot of, you know, the Raspberry Pi 4 has been met with sort of a um, lukewarm response because there are a lot of incompatibilities between uh, the 4 and the earlier models. So I think that this guy has, has uh, retweaked some things and uh, is, is making it ready to rock and roll. Uh, I have not personally ever played around with uh, any Pi builds on the Amiga. Have you, Aaron? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I've had... Uh, um... My Raspberry Pi 3 with a big... I mean, I, I kind of mix my Amiga build in with my overall arcade mm -hmm. gaming build, yeah. you know. You know, the problem I had... <laughs> we've mentioned this before, and I've changed my... I've changed my outlook on this a little bit, Bo, but the old versions of the Pi stuff for the Amiga, when I, I had mine in my trusty Commodore 64 conversion Pi mm -hmm. box, you know. And the keyboard didn't feed, just didn't cut it for that because it had certain keys that were hardwired in you needed, and I didn't right. have them. And so, but I mean, it, that that the quality was okay, you know. Uh, but uh, um, the, when you were talking about the Pi three and the Pi four, the Pi four is slowly starting to get love. You know, they're they've got their the the uh, front ends have been updated, and the uh, uh, for the arcade stuff. And I noticed stuff so slowly coming over to it. I mean, the Pi four is is a is a better uh, obviously, a better piece of hardware. It's not like leap years mm -hmm. better, but it's there's some. It's a little bit yeah. better, you know. I, I was, I'll be honest with you, I was kind of hoping for a more radical update when Pi Four came out. That I, you know, that you we were looking get. for something more like the Atomic Pi, right? Well, I mean, I guess kinda. I, I you know, I, I've, I've, I've kind of hit my personal wall on the pie on the pie thing. Not because there's anything wrong with them. It's just because I, I don't know what to mm -hmm. do with them. You know, I've, I've got... I can play stuff with other stuff. And, you know, I, I just, you know, eh. But, I mean, if you've got something really small and, you're, and you don't want to spend a bunch of money, you're good to go. And if you want to make an Amiga out of one of these things and just have it sitting there and you, that's what you want to use, that's cool. You know, but i got so many different ways to play emulated Amiga that I just yeah, don't care. I understand. <laughs> I mean, if I, if I need to, I can just load up the... Uh, coin ops next on the pc or load up uh, amiga forever or just use my actual mm. amigas but i'm lucky i guess there but i mean this is a good build it's if, if they've gotten it smoothed out i'm sure to run quite nice on the new pie and finally aaron the oliver twins have launched a new website uh, of course the oliver twins more famous for their 8-bit work than their 16-bit work but they did do amiga games and uh, this yep. is uh, a really excellent site. I, I, I copied and pasted this link and I, I clicked on it and I wasn't expecting to spend a whole lot of time on here. But man, they've really done a great job of, uh, of really detailing all of their games. You can click on each one for more information. Uh, there's all kinds of, uh, there's a whole uh, dizzy section. Um, I really thought that this was an incredibly well-designed site. And uh, it's it's a site worthy of the the legacy of the Oliver Twins. I thought it was amusing that most of their Amiga games were ports from NES games. So talking about taking talk about taking a step back, and uh, that's probably why they're now, wait a minute, yeah. Now. I, that's why I'm, I'm talking. I'm I'm giving props to the Amiga. You know, they're they're they could have done more, but they settled for less. Is what I'm saying. So you know that I have I'd say I saw this link and I didn't I haven't clicked on it. Uh, into what I'm looking at now. The, the site does mm -hmm. look awesome. I'll have to say. They've got a lot of work on here. And, uh, uh, you know, you hear, I hear all kinds of different stuff about the twins. You know, it's a mixed bag. But I can say that uh, they seem real nice when they had them on the show. 
and uh, uh, we've never had. They've always been super cool, you mm-hmm. know. To, to uh, you know, I've never seen them be get, you know. But I, they take a lot of flack sometimes. But I think this site looks great. And if you're into Dizzy and stuff, Dizzy's got a bunch of fan sites, so they needed to have a pretty nice something on there for Dizzy, considering what they're competing against. So, and I, I they've got some games coming out, don't they? They do, they do. I think that they 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 yeah. they're they're planning another Dizzy game. This is so awesome, Aaron. You can actually go into one of these. You click on any one of these games, they give you a YouTube video and then a link that you can play it at an online emulator. All right there. Yeah. That's nice. That's real nice. Very yeah. very cool. Thumbs up yeah. for that. Well, Aaron, the gamble train is rolling away. We'll see it next week for another roundup of Amiga news. But right now, it's time to talk about traps and treasure. You know, but were you like me and had not even heard of this until uh, Kim's video? Exactly. That was the first time I'd heard of it. Yeah, I had not heard this. If this had came up two months ago, we'd have just sat here going like, mm-hmm. but as it were, we had been tipped off because uh, Kim Justice covered this in her uh, Amiga platformers uh cavalcade uh, a little while back and that's the first time this came across my radar so when this popped up last week i was actually sort of excited for it uh and it turned out to be uh it's got quite an interesting backstory boat which we'll get into here momentarily um so this came out in 93 on two discs and developed by an outfit called nightingale uh, they never this is the only thing game they ever made on the amiga and i don't i don't think they're really uh, they really weren't a proper outfit to begin with, which I'll get into that in a little bit. This was published by several different folks uh, in Germany, where this game comes from. This was published by Starbright. Uh, it was also published by, uh, uh, in by Chrysalis and most of the world. Uh, it's a one-player game. It's in English or German. The guy, the big brain behind this, uh, was a fellow named Roman Werner. All right, uh, he's done a few games on the Amiga. We've never heard. I've never heard of any of these games, but he's done uh, maybe one. He did champ. He did shooting. Uh, champion, excuse me. He did champion. <laughs> I was gonna say boy. <laughs> he did. He did Leonardo and my personal favorite, Clown of Man. Where is that game on the AGSC list? Yeah, uh, the graphics were done by a fellow named Orlando Peterman, who was responsible. Now listen to some of these, boat. He did Ball Raider. I don't know about that one. Not interested. Championship shooting. How about this one? Crack. <laughs> you did crack, but uh, Duggar, Garrison 1 and 2, Insanity Fight. That sounds pretty good. Leonardo, Magic Marble, Realms of Arcania, which I had heard of, Ringside, and Rolling Ronnie. Okay. So this guy had been around the block. That's pretty much it. The musician on this was someone named Rudy Hoogentobler. And uh, Roman also did some of the music himself, mm. so it was a combo effort there. Uh, I think the graph, the graphics guy, I think was, I think I know, I'm pretty sure he's the one responsible for the like the title graphics, you know, with the mm-hmm. pirate. When this thing, when this game comes up, there's just kind of wacky picture of pirate. It's real yeah, nice. Yeah, the, the, it's, it's it literally one line. of the best looking, uh, you know, title screens I've ever seen. I mean, it's animated yeah. in just the right way. It reminds me of one of those classic Spectrum title loading screens except this one looks way way better yeah so this game really is uh a this is this game sort of a jack of all trades game more swiss army knife of games you've got several different genres kind of coming together in sort of an unusual way uh because from from the outset of this game there's this there's a long long intro 
paragraph that you read that talks about these pirates being their ship going down and, and the captain and they're, a bunch of them got captured and the captain has to go and try to rescue them and then also try to steal back money from the guys that sank his ship uh, as well and so it's a long there's a lot of backstory and then you eventually you you turn up and you basically you play the captain and you are it's a uh, platforming game from there but it's a platforming game with puzzle elements, a strong puzzle elements section, or the whole thing's puzzly. Plus, they've even kicked in some sort of role-playing elements. Or so, like, there's so much backstory in this and little sub stories that it's all there. It, you there's more to it. someone you can tell spent a lot of time cultivating and crafting all the text in this. Would you Absolutely. agree? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah. So, and on top of that, um, the uh, as you go through it, there's a lot of exploration. So wh when I think of, when I think of a uh, when I think of a platformer, right, the first thing that pops to my mind, and we just talked about it, was something like Super Mario. You run through a level and you platform. Then you've got your European style platformers, which this definitely is, because there's a heavy collection element in this in terms of. Not only are you collecting, not only are you rescuing your caged, uh, your caged crew, you're also collecting pieces of a map. You're getting money. Uh, there's a, you're you're collecting a ton of stuff. You're collecting vegetables and 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 fruits and your and health. There's a whole bunch of that. Plus, that you, you have to explore this these huge levels. Plus, there's the role playing element. So there's a ton of stuff going on in this thing. In a there, ton. Booth. What were your initial uh, what were your initial thoughts when you booted this thing up and saw all this stuff crammed into one screen? Well, it, you know, at first, um, when the game starts, you're just it's it's wall after wall after wall after wall of text. You get you get major yeah. backstory. I'm not a huge fan of that. I feel like you. I know. I feel I'm like put either. that in the manual if you want it. Like, there's no way that that is 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 going to be that important to the game, and it's really not. So my first impression was negative. However. Once the game started up, uh, you know, Aaron, we, we play a lot of games, and I don't know that we've played too many games that I feel have been this well, and I use this word um, on purpose, they, this game was crafted. You know, this, this was no slapdash effort. Somebody put thought into every single aspect of this game. There was nothing in this game that was half-butted. It was pure, like, I mean, everything about it, from the sound design, to the character design, to the animation, to the way that uh, all the different game mechanics work together, everything was done to the best that the, the people working on the game could do. And it's very, very rare to find that in, in this sort of scene. We, I'll get into the, this was sort of a labor of love, which I'll, I'll get into it here, and I, because I'm going to really touch on the guy that that really did the lion's share of the work on this. But just, to, I want to go into the game so we can at least explain what you're doing. So you're a pirate. We said we're going around. You're saving your crew. The game starts off after the text. You've got a map, and this is I will say this is one thing me and Boat like is an overworld map that tells you what you're going to be doing before you get there. It, you can see your progression mm -hmm. on the map. That's a good thing mm -hmm. right out of the gate. Then you start off. Now I will say when this starts off, and you can tell this is going to be a pretty quality effort just from the way this, the uh, 
title screen was or anything. You and the music. The music's. I mean, the music's not like the best music I've ever heard or anything, but it's it's it fits the motif of the of the. Well, game. it's it's fun. The, the, um, the music is situational. Like when you are above when you're above the yeah. ground, when you're there's no music. There's only sound effects, and then whenever you dive into the water, you get this like ethereal sort of underwater theme that plays. It's really quite impressive. Yeah. I liked. I will say the underwater theme. I do like. So you you start off at basically at sea, and your first goal is to swim to to the pirates' island. And on along the way, you have to rescue uh, your crew. And it, it it keeps track at the bottom. This is a game that's about uh, two thirds of it is gameplay screen, and the rest of it is uh, giving you your statistics, what weapons you've got, uh, your a compass area, the number of crew you need to rescue, and at the top of the screen you have a like a hit point yeah. bar. Yeah, and here's another thing. Uh, and uh, uh, how many men Every, you've got, and you've got a real everything that everything that you collect in this game will, goes into the HUD in some place. So it's not just like you're yeah. picking stuff up and you have no idea why or where it's going or what you're doing. Like there are this is this follows in the grand European tradition of being a collectomania game. But this differs from most of the games of the Grand European tradition because it gives you a reason to, a graphical reason. You know, you don't have to consult the manual to figure it out. You see things, gauges fill in, like the vitamin thing up top, that fills in uh, in a really attractive way. Everything makes sense from the get-go. Yeah, the, the stuff you can collect, just, I mean, just to kind of go over real quick. You, of course, you're picking up your man, okay? You can eventually get a compass, and it fills in a little compass area at the bottom of your screen. You can pick up. Uh, you can also pick up journals, which and each journal will have a uh, or logs, I guess. And each log will have like a little. They have a little story in them. You can collect those. Then you're also collecting a treasure map, which we'll get into that in a moment. It goes towards the bottom right of your screen. You're also picking up fruits and vegetables, and those are kept track of with a little chart on the top of your screen. That has like a just a picture of those, and as it, it it sort of adds more as you go. And when you get enough to fill that bar, you get an extra man, which is good. Then you've got hit points. Uh, you're also collecting those, and on top of everything else, you're collecting money, which you can spend in a mm -hmm. store. It also like boats. It has a, a listing for what tool you've, you're using, or you've got currently in your like set to use, and what weapon you've got. So they they've done a good job. Uh, uh, kind of at least helping you keep track because that's a lot of stuff. But like you said, unlike say Azul or something, not just randomly correcting crap. Mm. That just because when you first play this game, that's why I thought I'm like, look at all this crap. Here right. we go. But it all right. has a purpose. Um, so as you go through the game, uh, and I, I have to tell you, boat, I thought this game was. I didn't think it was. I thought it was hard. It was too hard for me to get very far, uh, and so I had to use codes to go mm -hmm. further on. Uh, but Right away, you can tell that whoever put this together, actually, I will give them this credit right away. There was some thought in the level design. It wasn't just random crap, Peter, where, because when they call this traps and treasures, they're not kidding. Uh, there are traps, there are things specifically designed to hose you unless you're paying attention or if you've been there right. before. Uh, and they're cunningly designed, yeah. aren't they, both? There are so many touches in this game that you can just... You can just tell that the, this person understood what good platform design was. Like, your guy is not in the middle of the screen all the time. 
You know, it's not like one of these things where the screen follows you and you're always in the middle. The, this guy took some lessons from the, the best Japanese developers and said, okay, this is how we're going to do it. There are no blind jumps in this game, not, at least not. Now, I'm not saying further on down the road because Lord knows this is a super long game and there might be some later on. But, um, you know, the, from the level that the levels, and I played a little bit of each level, I also had access to the codes. Um, it see, everything was very fair. I agree with you. It's a very hard game. This game could have done with having much shorter levels instead of having what they really should have done was done su something like Super Mario Brothers 3 where you have the your your ship pulls in just like it does and then you have an overworld with individual stages like four individual stages that comprise the one actual stage that is in in this game. That would have made things a lot easier because not only it's a psychological as well as a difficulty thing cuz in this game you're playing the first level and it just seems like forever and you really don't know how close you are to getting to the end. If they would have broken it up in some way that you could see the end, it would have pushed me to keep on playing maybe longer than I would have. This game, I mean, while we're expositing on its virtues, and which I'm not done with that, but we might as well get the, some of the negative things on the table. These levels are exceedingly long. They're too long. And this is, a, this is the continual... Now, I know there's a, a large... There's a large point in the game to explore. I mean, this is a game where you're going to look through the whole level. Uh, and that's fine and good, but you've got to break these things up. There, it, this These levels are super long, and it's frustrating. Now, luckily, if you die, you don't go all the way back to the beginning. It, it, there are places as you go through that they'll sort of they'll put you mm -hmm. back. But it's still you like you'll often go way far back when you die, and it's real frustrating. Yeah. I'll tell you that because the, the game is the so secret difficult. That, uh, there's a cheat that gives you more hit points than you start off with. I don't know. If you I couldn't used get that. The, like I got the cheat to work. The screen flashed, but then I couldn't. I couldn't actually activate any of the goodies. Uh, I will. I didn't actually find out about the hit point cheat until until today. I will say so that um, I knew about the code. I thankfully. will say. And so, so I use I played this. I had to emulate this and, and use save states a lot just to get hurt very far. Um, as you go through, boat mentioned that there's parts that are underwater, especially on the first level because you're at sea. There, there are large chunks of the level that are underwater, and you can go into there and it's to get treasure mostly. But there are perils everywhere. Uh, one thing about this game, everything hurts you, and everything pretty much hurts you equally. If you jump on a spike, you lose a hit point. If a starfish grazes you, you lose a hit point. If a tiny little fish touches your foot, you lose a hit point. Um, you can also double up on the damage. If you jump on a bunch of spikes, they can just kill. They'll, they'll spike the crap out of you until you're dead. I mean, you've got to get I, off there. Uh, the soldiers or pirates you come up against, uh, they if you get caught wrong, they'll kill you. Uh, if you uh, if you come up against certain there are just certain things that will you've got to be very careful even when you're getting hit to get out of there because if you don't you'll just stay there and just get killed. Well, here's the thing: the secret to this game, and I only discovered this after watching this 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 uh, long play, is that what you have to do is you have to collect all the money all the time, and then when you go to the store, the first thing you have to buy is more life blocks you know because there's yeah. plenty of potions and things that will restore all your health but the key is is that you have to get those those heart containers you know and so uh that is the secret because you can fill up that whole bar with heart with heart containers so by the end of the game you have like 10 blocks of health and then you're you're sitting pretty if you don't do it that way it's very similar to the adams family in this regard you're going to get screwed it's going to be over 
Yeah, I will say that really the two things I would go after immediately when you can get them, and you and you can't do this right away, but uh, or like Boat said, unless you're using the cheat that gives you just a, a ton of health bars automatically, I would go after that, and I, you also want to upgrade that weapon. The, you start the game with this dagger, the dagger blows. What I like to get, Boat, was, a big, was the big ball and chain, the big morning mm-hmm. star, wherever it was. You could also get a big old sword, uh, there's some. There's like a shot thing. There's uh, so weapons are a good thing, and the stores are going to change depending on what part of the level you're on or what level you're on. Some stores just have food. Some stores just have bombs. Something else you can buy at the stores when you when you see it are, are maps. And this is an, I don't think a, this is an unusual feature in terms of something you can buy from a store. But you can get these maps, and when you use them, it sort of gives you a zoomed out view of where mm-hmm. you're at, so you can see the level. And so you can strategically use this to when you get confused, you can go out and you can use these maps to show you everything around you, so you can sort of get an idea of where to go. I thought that was pretty. These clever, are the, the problem is is that they're one time use, and so you right, but you can buy right. a ton of them. Um, what, cheap. I, I, it, it's in it, it's another mark of somebody that really thought this thing through. You know, like uh, yeah. they could have easily put in a, a, a mapping thing where you can press M, you know, and see the map. They decided to go this way to add an extra element of strategy, and I approve. I think it's a cool idea. Well, you're right. You could have had a map. This isn't the kind of game where I'm going to whine about not having no. a map. You know, so uh, to me, this is a, a, a just an awesome addition that was that's mm-hmm. clever. You know, I, I like that. Um, I got to play all the levels, at least as far as I could, given my ability, uh, which was not always good. There are a lot of uh, areas where you use like boxes and stuff to reach different areas. There are hidden areas. There are areas with they have like stone that you can bust when you jump on them. Uh, there's a lot of uh, it's pretty puzzly, boat, isn't it? I mean, there's well, a lot of puzzle I would, action I, trying to figure out. How to I get would places. say there's light puzzling. You know, I would I would put this on the same level of a game like Gods. This is not the Lost Vikings, you know. It's I'd say it's somewhere in between Gods and the Lost Vikings. Yeah, I mean it's and closer mm-hmm. to Gods, obviously. But I mean, I I thought there was you had to really think to like even when you didn't have to use boxes and stuff, like a good platformer often does to access places you wanted to get. You sort of had to put some thought into how to get there. You know, because they were they were just inaccessible. Or how do I get out of this? Uh, I will say you don't have to worry about breathing underwater. Your guy can do that, so that's also that. There also is a timer. You <laughs> say, but I mean, I I never that never bothered me because I got killed before I ran out of time. I I will safely tell you I never got off the actual first uh, huge level of yeah. this. Not, I, I think I came pretty close, but I never actually got all. Well, of one it. of the one of the things uh, that they uh, do to tell you to show you how close you are is that you know when you're getting down, the the levels are they are not linear, but they are not insane. Like this is not like YoJo, which you just immediately get lost. This is this is more in line. It's it's even it's even better than Super Frog in terms of linearity, which Super Frog is also pretty linear. But this is this is about as explory as you can get. But the game does push you in the right direction most of the time. There are not too there's not too much verticality. I guess I'm saying. Um, and uh, like I said, they 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 sort of built in a system where you can see how close you are because you know you're rescuing crew members, and obviously as you get fewer and fewer crew members, are counting down there in the bottom of the screen. So that's that's a way you can kind of see your progress. Yeah. 
and sometimes your crew will give you tips and stuff. I like that aspect. There's also things you can read. Also, the guy can effectively move into like the third dimension. So he, you'll you'll be able to go into rooms and and uh, when you'll you'll go in front of like an open doorway and you'll just go through mm-hmm. the doorway. You can just you, or you don't have to, but right. you can. You know they they do a good job of that. There's also an element uh, where you jump up and you've got sort of a it's like a pirate fly that floats you down to the ground. The old parachute thing. So you can you don't have to. I mean, because if you fall too far, you'll die. So you can use this the pirate flag thing to uh, to kind of make you go down slowly. That reminded me of a game I played on the Xbox 360, but I can't remember the name of it. Then you've also got the treasure map. When you complete the treasure map, you get to go to this bonus stage. And the bonus stage, is uh, it's different for each area, but basically the gist of it is you're jumping from these on top of these different islands to, and obtaining diamonds. And so you just get tons yeah, and tons it's of your, points. It's your, and you it's can your, go to the end of it until right, you fall it's, it's, Did you ever get to one I of never found places? all the pieces of the treasure map. I didn't either, but it's still kind of neat yeah. to look for it. You know, I thought that was kind of cool. Now, I want to talk about, and this may shed some light on a few things, Boat. I was, I actually found Roman Werner's blog. Oh, okay. Okay? And he wrote about this game. And so, the first thing I thought was interesting is he went to a, uh, his outfit used to have Starbright, who published this, had a Christmas party every year in Germany. And he brought his game there, and the goat wanted to see if anybody wanted to pick it up. All right, it was still in the production of being made, and so they made him an offer, and he what he made another offer, and they couldn't meet, they wouldn't mm-hmm. meet. So they said that finally that they went they back and forth on the price, and this is straight from him, by the way. He says finally, uh, the managing director of Starbright took out a dice, and he said, "Look," he said, "Choose between even and odd numbers." If you win, we'll use your price. If I win, we'll use my price on what we're going to pay. Which is insane. And so they effectively <laughs> rolled for his right. price, and he won. <laughs> so he got his price. Little did he know he was going to lose eventually. So he went to work on this thing. And now think about this. He he was working on this in July of 91, and he realized he was way behind schedule, and he was. And they kept pounding him and pounding him to get this thing done. And so he finally had to end up bringing some people on to to work on this thing. And in December of 91, Starbright said if he didn't finish the game by the 2nd uh, of January 92, they were going to they were going to basically sue him for 200 million Deutschmarks or 200,000 Deutschmarks. So he had to get wow. it done. So he worked and worked. So you can tell right now we're behind schedule, right? But this guy was a perfectionist and his blog he talks about how he wanted to make everything mm-hmm. just right, which you were talking about you could tell someone that was doing that, and that's what he was doing. So get this. Finally, he finished the game in July of 93. So he'd been working on the game for like probably three years at mm-hmm. that point. So he finished everything up, and he sent in the game to Starbright, but he sent it in with a dummy title screen because that way they couldn't screw him and publish the game without mm-hmm. paying him effectively, mm-hmm. right? Well, guess what? They published the game anyway, and they took they had an earlier title screen that they put on it. They took the dummy screen out and they published it anyway. So he all of a sudden he looked up and the game was on the market. Right now, here's the hilarious part. It's not that funny. Uh, Starbright declared bankruptcy <laughs> like right after they released wow. the game. So so his game he didn't get paid obviously, 
And his and so he was like, well, at least I've got the rights to my game. Uh-uh. Didn't have those either. Those were negotiated in the deal for Starbright. So he had to get another co company, another guy to help him. Eventually, uh, as far as I could tell, he actually got the rights to the game. Uh, and he actually got some money eventually. Uh, but by that point, the die, you know, the die was cast, as it were. And since the game was made by someone who went out of business, it didn't get a whole lot of circulation, and which is probably why people like me and you have never heard mm -hmm. of this game, Boat. Uh, so this guy really went through the ringer for his game. But he mentions, you can tell by listening to this guy, that when he worked on it, he planned on the whole game himself. And uh, uh, eventually he had to bring in some people to help him because he was so far behind. But I have, I have to wonder if the title sit situation with that long paragraph was probably going to be animated at some point. And it just didn't happen. That'd be my. That's just mm -hmm. a guess because when you read that, it seems like something you could have animated pretty easily and made it much more mm -hmm. interesting. Uh, but yeah, so the reason this game is so good probably cost this guy in the end because he took too long yeah. to make it. So there you go. And effectively, you can look at it from another standpoint. Starlight was waiting on this game to come out, Starbright to to, to make them some money, and he took so long that it probably contributed to their Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure so, that a lot are. of those smaller development houses, they were, you know, they, they were banking on financial winners. And especially if, if they were, uh, if it took them a while to accept his offer, I'm sure that that offer that he made them was not a low offer. Uh, it's insane to me that somebody would roll a die to, uh, to determine, you know, such a, such a large economic outcome, but I don't know. Maybe that's how they roll in Germany or whatever. Anyway, you know um, something else that well, on top of everything else. Of course, this game we got a release date on this thing of '93, mm -hmm. but that was in Germany. It didn't get released. There was not an English version available until '94. Mm. So what you and I don't know how much money you're going to make just by releasing your game in Germany, but I would assume I would assume that the majority of the money you're going to bring in from this thing would be from the English from England or the U.S. You know, English-speaking well, company. I, I, I don't know I about that. Wrong. The Amiga scene in Germany is freaking huge. So I. I well, I, let's put it this way: you would get maybe half of your money from other. You countries. definitely wouldn't get that? it from the states in '94. That's for darn sure. Yeah, in '94 yeah. you probably wouldn't. But you, at that point, you realize in '94 you're done. I should also mention that the game has a sequel mentioned in it called Redbeard's Revenge. Mm -hmm. uh, if you play this game to the end, you get to see this. Uh, this game was uh, uh, was mentioned but never made so no sequel for this one this is one of those rare amiga titles that you don't see on any other computer it never got ported it never got uh, any sort of uh 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 you know anything outside of the amiga so if this is a, a, a exclusive treasure as it were if this is your bag um what were your overall how you, where are you going to place this boat in your pantheon well i mean to me this is this is definitely definitely top five platformers on the Amiga. Um, if it wasn't for the length of the, the levels, you know, that's, it's such a killer because it ha it's hard for me to, to heap praise on a game that I can't beat the first level of. Uh, if you recall my ranking of Amiga platformer series, that was one of the major categories was, can I beat the first level of this thing and actually feel like I've made some progress? If it wasn't for that, this game would be almost perfect. It combines the puzzle elements, the role-playing elements, the action elements, the collectible elements. There's such a good balance of everything. It's really, really, really good. Really, really good. 
I think this game obviously has a lot of care and thought. But here, let me, let me. I'm sorry. Uh, there, there's one thing I want to mention. This is how much care oh, yeah. went into this game. So in every game, there's always a sequence where you're in a corridor and there's arrows, a thin corridor, and there's arrows shooting across, booby trap style. Okay. Most of the time, those arrows just disappear. Not in traps and treasure. In traps and treasure, they hit the wall, they crumple up, and they fall to the ground. I mean, it's little things like that. The sound design on this game, if you do nothing else with Traps and Treasure, load it up and just listen to the sound design. Listen to the sound that everything makes. Everything has a unique sound. Nothing sounds like your generic cartoon sound effect. Like It sounds like somebody put some time into making a sample that sounded like it was supposed to. I'm in awe of games that take that kind of trouble because just most don't. Most don't take the trouble. You know when I was when I was playing this, and I was thinking to myself, there's so much in this game that I, you've got to not forget to mention, and because there, there's a mm-hmm. lot here, uh, we and we didn't really get into stuff like uh, explodable walls. I will say stuff like there, that. Which there's are, one know, thing you can't jump and weapon. That's a bummer. Yeah. That's a big bummer. The uh, it's up for jump, yeah. of course, as well. Um, this game, I, I like a lot of the elements in it. I, I, again, I'm much like yourself. It's the levels need to be split up by like probably into threes. Mm-hmm. They really are that long. You could easily split these into threes and you could get away with it. Um, this is not my sort of platformer. Uh, I don't like these exploration platformers. I don't like collecting stuff. I like I'm more of a I'm, hey listen I'm a traditionalist when it comes to me. I'm an American traditionalist. I like your Mario Brothers style. Just start at the beginning and go to the end. You know that's just me. That much said, I can get past that in a game like this because obviously the game uh, does a lot of things right. Uh, it's a fun game. I, I would. I, this is a game that you definitely would probably want to emulate unless you're a real star, uh, so you could save your places. Uh, you know, so you could save places along the way. Uh, if 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 you like the European style of platformers, this is probably amongst the best. On the system. I've never played one. Uh, if you like exploration platformers, this is probably one of the best ones you're going to find. I mean, I can't think of a better exploration platformer on any system that I've ever played. I, uh, I mean, it's it's got a lot going for it. Uh, there's no doubt. So I, I I would get I hold this in pretty high regard. Again, is, is am I going to go back and play this every day? No, I'll 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 play it again. Uh, but it's just something like I said. I don't like having those. I don't like searching for stuff because I get lost too easy. Uh, but if but if this is your cup of tea, like you're gonna you're gonna be happy. Um, <clears throat> I uh, looked up some reviews on mm-hmm. this boat, as I occasionally will. Um, Lemon gives this an eight point two six. When this came out, it did get reviewed. Amiga Action gave it an eighty five. Uh, Amiga Computing gave it a forty nine. I don't know what's up Is with that. Is it 49 out of 50? <laughs> no, 49%. That's crazy. Uh, Amiga Format gave it an 82%. Amiga Power gave it a 79 These scores seem low. That, yeah, though. I, I don't get that at all. Uh, CU Amiga, 65%. And the one gave it a 79%. Now, uh, even the even the Lemon score, uh, 8.2, which I mean, it's Listen, not a bad score, but that, that even seems a little This game destroys uh, every game that people say is awesome on the Amiga, full stop. This well, game destroys... Listen, I can't... Uh, this game destroys Shadow of the Beast. 
This game destroys uh, Super Frog. This game destroys Cannon Fodder. It destroys all those games. It's a much better game. Well, Cannon Fodder, that's a whole different It type. doesn't matter. Um, the, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a good title. It's a quality title. I'd have to go. I, those scores are low to me. I would put this somewhere if it was me scoring. And again, if and this has to be your cup of tea, I would definitely uh, uh, think about that game that we played the other week. That platformer uh, that the guy he he drew a dragon and he thought it looked cool, so he made the game around it. What what was the name of that game? Do you remember? It was, it was the other no. plat? It was a Psygnosis <laughs> platformer. You were a Japanese-looking dude. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, this, I do remember that. It was this pretty game, good. Yeah, that game was good. This game destroys that game. This game is so much better, but that game got tons and tons of great reviews, so I don't get those reviews at all. It is odd. Uh, did we get any uh, Discord we got, action We got this quite poster? a few. This was a popular title over on the Discord. Frodo and L writes, Cute, very playable platformer that does not seem easy to complete. I'm not the biggest fan of underwater section in platformers, but execution here works quite well. Of course, there's the old favorite up for jump. Good thing my 8-bit dough pad came in earlier this week, but that could not really be helped. Even so, the keyboard is needed too for some activities. It doesn't interfere with the flow of the game though. All in all, an enjoyable experience, 8 out of 10. Deckard Threepwood writes, This is an extremely well-polished Amiga platforming game. It's got it all. Graphics, playability, music, sound effects, and tight controls. I did play this earlier this year, but only made it to stage 2. I've been meaning to come back to it, and this episode has given is giving me the perfect opportunity. It is fairly difficult with long stages, although it does have a password system, so you can progress through the game without having to tackle the ones you've previously conquered. Nine out of ten. And then he puts in a little side note, a little nostalgic memory from this game. When me and my brother were kids, we were playing this game, and my dad came in to see what we were up to. My dad said, this isn't really a realistic game. The guy can hold his breath forever. To which my brother replied, Oh, yes, it is. The pirate has the world record with the whole seven seas for holding his breath underwater. Or something like that. <laughs> Barkbit asks, or Barkbit writes in and he says, This game is way too hard for me in 2020, but I can see how a younger me would have devoted many evenings with it. Would I have known about it back then? If you can memorize the stages and forgive the frustrating unarmed water sections, there's fun to be had here. A good looking platformer I'll come back to. Seven out of ten. Graham W. Webkey writes, I hadn't actually given this platformer much time prior to this review, and it's turned out to be a fairly well put together game. The music is very good, and the sound effects suit the game well too. The art style is nice, and the level design is fairly good, but they are very long in length. I'm not quite sure why, but the store in this game reminds me of the Black Tiger store. The controls worked well, and I found them quite responsive, and while the underwater area is annoying, it's one of the better underwater areas I can recall. Traption Treasure is now rated closely to some of my favorite Amiga platform games. An easy 8 out of 10. Pixels at Dawn writes, It takes an accomplished game to get past my broad spectrum of hatred for underwater levels, but Traps and Treasures manages this with aplomb. Not really sure how to say that word. Aplomb? Aplomb? Aplomb. With solid sw swimming controls and no horrendous drowning mechanic. Elsewhere, the game looks and sounds brilliant, although some areas would benefit from music which have none. Tight controls and a strong and well-used theme make this easily one of the best platforms on the Amiga. 9 out of 10. Paul, aka Hermski, writes, A Herm Firm, 8 out of 10. Never played this game before, but thoroughly enjoyed it. 
played very well with smooth, relaxing animation and sound effects. The game reminded me a little of the 8-bit Alex Kidd at Miracle World on the Master System. Overall, a superb game. And finally, Jason warns his review. Wow! 8.5 out of 10. That's, That's all you, you need, but You know, I, so I just thought of something we'd forgotten to mention, and, and, and this was something I had to say. I couldn't figure out what had happened. You know, as you go through the game, you're building up the vegetables and stuff in your little nutrients mm -hmm. area. For God's sakes, don't pick no, up a skull. That's no, that's no good. Because all the work you did goes away instantly the second you pick one up. It takes away all your nutrients because you really need those yeah, extra man. Yeah. I like mm -hmm. that, too. Again, the little mm -hmm. touches, the little touches, the diff different weapons, the stores, all the stuff. It builds a nice, fun game, a well-thought-out game. We liked it. But oh, I should one last item eBay. This is important, Bode. This must be a pretty rare one, my friend. Uh, none had been sold recently, and there was only one for sale currently. Boxed. $274 or best offer. Now, that's a fishing scheme for fishing for cash, but I would wager these things go for pretty good money, yeah. Bode. Because it, it's a super rare game that I, I looked pretty extensively to see if I could find some back pricing on it. I would wager this one didn't get a wide release. Yeah. Um, we do want to thank Pixels at Dawn for, uh, for suggesting this title to us. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, we also want to thank uh, all of the uh, people in the chat that are here right with us right now. Pixels at Dawn, of course, doing a great job uh, doing the modding in the chat. Picard 2010, Joss80, GoToGoSub, Polyester Links, Paul Kitching, Edvin Helland, um, let's see, Jan Holbro, uh, thank you guys, BarkBit, so much for hanging out with us in the chat. We want to thank all of the people that subscribe to us on uh, Twitch. If you uh, have an Amazon Prime subscription and uh, you can subscribe to the Amigos on Twitch and help us out financially and it doesn't cost you a dime, uh, we'd appreciate that if you want to do that. And Aaron, of course, it's time for the moment we've all been waiting for. It's been two weeks since the last Patreon song, and we have something very special uh, today. Uh, this is uh, this is this week's Patreon song. If you know this week's Patreon song, send me. Oh, I forgot to announce the winners of last week. That's because there was none last week. Because we, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I was going to say, yeah, um, that. you can send me an email at john at amigospodcast dot com, and I will announce you as the winner. So, without further ado. Here is this week's Patreon song. Joel Fuchs, Cabot Boy, Rich Drury, John Cook, Frodo and El Sol inside the Technique. Zebedee's Magic Roundabout. Jurgen, Mr. Cola, Daniel Williams, Bernard Lucas, Jerry Dennington. So Club, Commodore Kid, Bushy Bjork, Vin, Goodness and Reflection, Simon Letch, Luke Hudson, Captain Crispy, Kilobytes and Caffeine, Mike W, Gary Heather, Free Lunch. Kate Fox, David Pickford, 
Cameron Armstrong, Andy Jones, Lobsterminator 10, Mini the Nigger Retrocast. Bernard Quinn, Retro Man Cave, Tim Drew, Simon Rose, Joseph Harrison, Kyle Ed and Rob O'Hara. Matthew Larimore, Andy Craig, Sean Tobin, Roland Burke, Andrew Mines, Joe the Zombie, Leif Kalong, my dance and Alan Kebab, Chicote Levelon, John Marshall, Matthew Perron. <laughs> Stephen Sorkin, Mortensen, Edwin Helen. Blendo 75. Christopher Hassel, Ravi Abbott. Chris Bowles, Dreamcatcher, Lauren Giroux. Graham W. Bebke. Adam Batters, V. O'Brien's Retro Vintage. Gary Huckersey, Brian Jones, Paul Harrington, Duncan Styles, Tapes from the Cribs, Josh Nan, Adam Bradley. Jonas Rulo, THT. Eric Nelson, Kim Tommy, Humberstead. Daniel Bankston, Bruno Barracuda, Darren Coles, Jason Warhons, Pixels at Dawn, Hyobion Bob, All right. <laughs> so uh, we hope you guys enjoyed that. That was gold. Solid Who knows, gold. maybe in a couple of weeks we'll be back with a, with another tune for you. Uh, but until then, Aaron, we got another game to play for next week. We are going to be playing Space Crusader. Is it Space Crusade or Space Crusader? It's Space Crusade. I've heard of that one. Is that based on a uh, yeah, war Yeah, it's, it's a Warhammer game. Oh, yeah. You know, I love. I can't wait to, that you're going to have to tell us some Warhammer tales. Uh, I, I don't listen, play Warhammer. You're going to have to make up some Warhammer I'm tales. I'm not in the tax bracket to play 